Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les James, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McMiniman. This week, Sean and I are extending our topic of strategy deployment and discussing the use of Hoshion Conroy, or policy deployment. So with that, let's start the show. Sean, how are you doing today? How are you? I am doing fine. So I guess we decided we're going to continue our conversation from last week. Yeah. So last week we talked about um, strategy development and deployment. And I think that uh, the deployment side uh, is more of what the application we're going to talk about today is involved in. Um, You know, the development is there too, but it's, it's, it extends itself even further into the deployment side. So today we're going to talk about Hoshian Conry. Very good. I think that's how you pronounce Great it. Great job. And I, and I was getting ready for you to throw it my way so that I was I was prepared to move uh, my mouth in the proper way. I, you know that's a that's a tough one. So you know I, that of course is the Japanese word for for strategy deployment. I think is or policy deployment. Policy deployment. You know I, I found another another um, definition on the web that says it translates to. Shining metal pointed pointing direction. Yeah, I did hear. I did read something where it was talking about uh, a compass, compass. A, vision, a vision compass. I like that term. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that that kind of gives you a really good idea of what you're trying to do from a, a leadership and strategy standpoint. So last week we talked about um, uh, Kaplan and Norton's balance scorecard process and uh the balance scorecard is a very good tool it's got a lot of good uh, capabilities it does a very good job of organizing your thoughts your process helping you to define everything but i think what what balance scorecard is missing is the whole deployment side of the thing what what tools do you use to get those things actioned exactly And I, and, and I think that that's where we'll just call it Hoshian planning. Um, that's where Hoshian planning actually steps in and kind of extends the process and takes strategy deployment to a whole nother level. Now this is, uh, another, what they would consider lean tool. So it has some of the philosophies of, of very, being a very streamlined structure and, and, and being very specific and, and, organized and how it, it, it deploys. So you actually pulled up uh, kind of some information on some steps. Why don't you briefly kind of touch on, I think you've got seven steps yeah. there. Yeah. Why don't you briefly just list those steps out and then we'll talk about right. them. Yeah, and this is from a website. Uh, so just to give them credit, uh, BMGI, I think they're consultants, but they have a nice a nice website on the outline of, of ocean planning. Um, the first step is establish an organizational vision. And we've talked about the vision. Okay, so we don't right, we have the details there. Um, develop the objectives, which right. kind of we talked about through balanced scorecard, you know, using, using right. those four categories for the objectives there. Okay, and then um, developing, okay, so you have, you have breakthrough objectives, which are kind of like the big, hairy goals. <laughs> the A is for your derriere, the other word for ass. <laughs> Big hairy ass. Goal. You're not the cussing. Right? <laughs> Although it does say clean 
next to our podcast. Yeah, okay. We are on iTunes. Yeah. yeah, we are clean. Um, so then, and then you develop the annual objectives. Um, you, you deploy those objectives, okay, using using a tool. And, and in this case here, they have a nice matrix, which which provides all the information in a concise format. Um, you implement the annual objectives. You have a monthly review and an annual review. So, so it's a matter of it's a matter of understanding where you're going, what tools you use to get there, and then checking, you know, checking right. on on the step by step progress with the monthly review, and then an overall annual review to see, you know, how you are doing in your in in now your large step towards that that big goal that is a multi year objective. Right, and you're starting at the top, which is strategic, and then you're pushing it down to the managers, which is tactical, and then the managers are pushing it down to the frontline employees, which are, you know, operational or task-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the the nice part about uh, the Hoshion process is the fact that you've got a, a feedback process with some KPIs um, where you're going back up the process, uh, making sure that everything stays in line, everybody's pointed in the right direction. Now, you know, I've talked to, you know, several people that have engaged in the Hoshion process. And one of the things before you decide to get into the process is you need to realize that it takes practice to get all the all the cats herded and moving in the same direction. Right. There's still people involved. Can I digress one quick second? Sure. I'm an engineer and a, and, a, and a dork when you, when you talk about herding cats. So I watched Mythbusters this past weekend. So is it possible to herd cats? possible at all to herd cats. Cats are not herding it's, it's, They won't gather. Yes, They'll go individually, but they won't yes. herd. They'll they'll kind of shoot off in every which direction. The funniest thing was they had a sheepdog come in, a, like a professional sheepdog that's won competitions, and those <laughs> to try those and... cats bowed up their back and hissed so fiercely at this poor dog, he like hid behind his <laughs> uh, his handler. That's uh, funny. So so I I think it's a great analogy that you know when you first start a process like this don't expect just because you're going into a structured scenario with your strategy deployment going down and and back up that all of a sudden you know everybody's going to turn into an army and start marching in the same direction that's and so that's one of the feedback items that I've heard is that it takes practice and it takes diligence right and and you know I, I go back to this website that uh, that I found and and they they have a nice little box in it and it says reasons senior leaders give for not doing Hoshian planning. So, I mean, they already, yeah. And, okay. and you know what? I, I know these guys are, they're a consulting organization. They want you to hire them to get past all these things, but this is a hundred percent true. And whether you're doing Hoshian yes. planning or you're trying to initiate some form of, of process improvement. Okay. You can get people to say, we already do this. We don't have enough time to do this. I, th- that's one yep. that just kills me when people say, I know we're doing it wrong, and I know we're struggling, but we don't have time to figure out how to do it right. That just does not make sense at all. <laughs> it's, it, I think it's the difference between a short-sighted view and a long-sighted right. view. And you know, the, most people, especially depending on what level in the organization you're at, I think the shorter the vision gets, the further you go down the process. And it's just a matter of training and showing people that they do have a part in the play. And, you right. know, the, and, 
And it's an important part. Being a leader and, and having leaders in your organization. I mean, that's that's the difference between being a manager and, and being a leader is having the longer-term focus and the ability to get people moving in that that shiny compass direction. You know? Right. So the first thing is, is I just want to warn people, this is not easy. No. It, it's, you know, it's, it's not for the weak of heart <laughs> or weak of stomach or whatever. And, and that's the thing you have to have resolve. I, I like, I like putting it in the terms yeah. of resolve because you will, you will be <laughs> beaten down yes. mentally, hopefully not physically, but it, it, it is difficult. And I'm running into, well, mentally will start to affect yeah. physical. I'll tell um, you that. The thing that I, I, always encourage people to do and I encourage myself when I run into these issues is okay well what is a what is a better way of approaching the the tact on getting this done how how can I provide a different um, look or view or path to getting done what we all need to have done we all know we want to have done when you come up against resistance so, right. so it's it's a matter of how do you how do you get around the obstacle? You don't have to go through it like a like a bulldozer, but how do you get around it so that now the obstacle is working with you and not against you? So, going back up to the top of your list, I think the one thing I wanted to t- touch on on the first item there, which was having a good vision. Uh, oh, I think you said you know having a vision, but I think having a good vision is very important and making sure that you have a vision. Uh, that everyone agrees to, and it's the vision of where you're trying to get to because the first thing you're going to try and do is come up with a series of strategic objectives, two, three, four, not very many of them. Yeah, what'd you call them, Uh, big, hairy, whatevers, (laughs) you know, that you need to come up with that if achieved will do what? Achieve your vision. So that's the way you need, and it's and that is a hard process to well, do. And I think we talked a little bit about it when we when we mentioned or when we had the podcast on setting a vision and a, and a uh, mission statement and, and a mission right. for the organization. You know, once you have the vision, you should let that sink in. You should really let it sink in mm-hmm. and just communicate what does that mean and, and do the actions that people are are taking now support that vision. How do you how do you change the actions to support the vision? Um, as you build the objectives that you believe in your and your team believes will get you to that vision and, and accomplish right. the goals. You know, so um, one of the books I was reading on this topic, and it's the it's just at one of those memory joggers. It's called uh, Hoshian Conroy Memory Jogger <laughs> uh, by yeah by Joe Coletti. Um, it's a nice summarized version, but it was saying that once you get, once you get those objectives, uh, kind of hammered out, don't stop there at that point. One of the things I liked that it said was that now go talk to your managers and discuss those objectives and see what they think about them and go back up to the top and hammer them out again with that feedback, because now you're even further armed with some reality, so to right. speak, so that you're you're coming back and, and you're discussing it a little bit further and saying, look, I see this one, but if we tweaked it or set it a different way or if we added this to it, it would really be a good objective that flows down really well. You know, you know, so get that feedback and just don't assume that, oh, because we're all the leadership team, we know what everybody needs. Right. 
Yeah, it's short-sighted. Yeah, it is. So, he, you know what? That's a great example of another tool that, that you and I have learned mm-hmm. in the past is, is the promise to promise. Because yes. what I wanted to say here is that don't be confined by saying, hey, we set the date to have these objectives up and running and measured in four weeks. And if you're if you're four weeks out and you haven't started and you and you said, hey, we have to be done in four weeks, and you you try to get feedback, and you know, if the feedback takes so much time or you know, if you if you bounded yourself by a schedule, this is important enough that you should promise to promise, hey, I need to I need to spend two weeks on developing the, the pro forma objectives and getting feedback. Yep. Okay. Once I have that yep. feedback, I'll tell you when we're able to implement the objectives. Okay. Yep. You know, understand. You know, the, the thing is, this is a, a two-year or a three-year vision. Okay. Right. Don't, don't short sight the whole process by saying, "Hey, I've got to be done in two weeks," and just throw together something that really isn't going to work. I think that's one of the the reasons behind um, that list of that list of excuses. Uh, you can't stand excuses. You know, the list of excuses that end up killing a project. Uh, let's see, you know, oh, you know what, eh, what we tried to do is, is too hard. What we used to do is just fine. Okay? Yeah. That's the give up. They just go back to the way we yep. used to do it. Why? Yeah. Well, because you put it, you put an unrealistic date on me to get it done. Okay. Well, that shouldn't be done. Changing it after That's the right. fact isn't good either. Cause if you put an unrealistic date and you say, oh, we're not going to make it. So make it another week and then make it another week. That doesn't do well either for a project of this magnitude. So along with the objectives at the strategic level, the other half of this, uh, once you get the objectives figured out, or at least close, you need to develop what are you, how are you going to measure it? What is the, what's the KPI uh, as to how you're going to measure the success of this process? And, you know, you and I have both gone through a, a similar process where we've, you know, developed um, uh, measures that are leading and lagging measures. You, you want to develop a measure that's going to set uh, the goal that you're trying to reach and make sure that it's not a measure that has uh, uh, byproducts to it that drive a negative yes. outcome. <laughs> so be very careful about your metrics and make sure you've got a good metric in place that will really truly tell you is once it gets going, is it going in the right direction? Are we doing what we need to be yeah, doing? So give that a lot of thought because you do get a lot you of get what you measure. So if you measure, yes. if you measure something, and like you said, that that might have a a collateral damage to it, because yeah. because people want to see and people will produce results that show that they're doing their job. They're, it's kind of like validation, and 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 that's where you know we can talk also about that 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 the metrics aren't about the validation of the person doing the job. The metric is the validation of the process. That's exactly right. The steps to get to the goal. I mean, you know, That's you, right. we need, you know, we need people and people are, you know, great resource, everything like that. But you have to understand that you should be able to change out people. I, I, I want to say this, I want to say this kind of, you know, without, without much, um, you know, feeling an emotion that the process, you, what you want to measure is that the process works. So if you put another competent person in that spot, the process and the outcome will be the same. So that's where still functions, right? It still functions. That's where you want to, you want to 
give people uh, kudos for doing what they're supposed to be doing and, you know, things over and above what, what you expect of them. But the process needs to at least have a, a baseline of functioning if you stuck somebody else in there. So, so right. uh, you know, and, and maybe I'm not doing a good job of, of conveying what I'm feeling, what I'm feeling here on how you should organize your team and the, and the group in getting these objectives done. Um, the key part is it's not a, it's not a, a measure of the person's ability. That, that's an HR and a management function that you should take separately on that, on that person within the process. Not not results coming from that process reflecting on whether the person is a good employee or not so good employee. Yeah, I totally right. agree. Yeah. You know, another thing to attach on to that. Do what? It was long-winded. Say that. It was long-winded. No, that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing to attach on to that on the, on the metric side of things is that the other part of this is, is not only make sure you uh, get a metric that delivers – the information that you're truly looking for, but also make sure that you have the ability to gather that metric easily and with the right information because you don't want the metric to turn into a burdensome process. And you also want to make sure that it's very clear to everybody what the metric represents and where the data is coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you, you know, so that is key. Right, what have we seen in the past? Oh, well, where are you getting your data? Uh, My data is different. Yeah, yeah. No, the data has to be clear and and proven as to where the data yes. comes from. And if there is a question, yeah, that's exactly that if right. there can be questions on where the data is coming from, then you need to to uh, do a, a root cause analysis as to why do people think that there could be two sources of data generating two different results. Exactly right. Yeah, because there is nothing worse that will tear down your process right off the bat if you've got two or three different views or information or, you know, ways of, of interpreting the data that it'll just tear things right. apart, it, you know, so that's, there's a bad flip side. Exactly. To that. And if there are assumptions that have to be made, then make sure that those assumptions are outlined and clear to everyone. That, yes. Hey, we round to the nearest $50 if it's a monetary or, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, make sure that, that it's clear so that everybody knows that when they look at the data, they understand the the assumptions that were made to come, to, if there were any, to come to the conclusion that you are reporting on or, or that upper management is getting to see every month or year. One of the habits that I've gotten into over the years is that when I am developing a, a graph of some sort, I actually do a little write-up as to where the data is coming from. Uh, so if I'm doing, let's say, an on-time delivery, I say that, you know, my my... Uh, Delta dates are coming in from the date entered on the ERP system in this field, and my ship date is coming from the invoice uh, in this module in this field, and I'm taking the delta between the two. So there's no, you read the little blurb on, on it and everybody goes, oh, okay. Well, I don't like that, but okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at least then everybody's on the same page. Oh, I thought you'd pull from this field, right? But no, if we need to pull from that field, why? You know, let's talk about it. But now it's out in front, in front of everybody, and, and we can discuss it and make sure we're all on the same page as to what this data represents. Yeah, and and, and what, will, what will come of that, which is good, so that you can... 
make any corrections that are necessary. But what comes of it typically is, oh, well, you know, I don't fill in that date until two weeks after it ships. And then it's just whatever, whatever I'm thinking at the time or what I try to remember, you know, so you find out the quality of the data. Once you establish where you're getting the data for reports, you find, you find out how that quality is. Yeah. We had a scenario, uh, uh, in, in our supplier on-time delivery where we were tracking the delta between two dates and come to find out later on, uh, whenever they did component orders, they just would put in the same date and not worry about when the component was going to mm-hmm. come in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's not going to help us yeah. any. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's good to, good to know that information so you can go down the, well, why do you do that? Well, because we have so many, you know, is it worth doing it? Yada, mm-hmm. yada, you know, so you can go into those types of discussions possibly fix a process or, you know, figure out a different way of doing it. So I think the, the next thing, what was the next thing on your list there after this, this, uh, leadership part of it? Well, it's after, after you have the objectives, um, yeah. Deploying the objectives. And this is where, so that's the deployment process. Yeah. yeah. And and this is where they have a, a pretty nice, um, chart and table on, you know, the objectives, the, the, uh, let me just see here. Uh, it's got the vision over there to the yeah. left, I believe, left top. And then it's got the objectives. And then it's got the, uh, um, I'm trying to think what's running down the well, right there's resources, side. There's resources on the, on the far right as well. As, so resources okay. that you use um, for the different uh, improvement processes. So, so, right. so you have improvement processes and you have then targets of what needs to be improved. So you have the, the category and then the process to improve. So I think the theory with that tool, if I remember correctly, I haven't quite read as much in depth on, on some of the tools, but I think the theory with that tool is, is you've got one of those at the strategic level and then you pass it down mm-hmm. and they create one at the management level and then you pass it down and they create one you know, even further down so that you have a very clear series. And that's where it becomes very... Um, organized and regimented. That's kind of the hard part because, you know, it's easy when you've got, you know, four, four people at the leadership level or so. And then when you drop it down you've got maybe 10 or 12 managers, um, you know, making sure that they're now aligning with what you're trying to do and then having each one of them develop. So that process I believe is the, is the catch ball process. Mm-hmm. So where you're actually passing it down and they may pass it back up to see if it's going to work. They may pass it back down. If it's going to work, pass it down. They pass it up. So it's a back and forth. And they, you know, they call it that a catch ball mm-hmm. process to go back and forth so as to kind of fine tune the information and make sure everybody's on the same page. Uh, that's one of the areas uh, that I'd heard that it takes really good, a lot of practice to get right. You know, so you can see there's a lot of moving wheels there, a lot of moving cogs trying to get that all lined right, up. Right, but it makes sense. And, and you know, people, it have does. To, people have to understand that you have to be on the same page. You have to pass that ball or pass the baton and not drop it. Right. And now, you know, one of the questions that I was reading about this is, is does this mean that people throughout all different levels of the organization, should they kind of stop what they're doing and totally only focus on this. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, I don't think it's as simple as just saying drop everything you're doing and only work on these things that focus on the on the strategy. That's a pretty pretty simple answer. 
but I do believe that that would be the goal because, you know, we've often said in this session that, you know, if you're working on, you know, 10 or 12 large projects, how many of them are you actually doing well? Well, and if you're going to work on two or three, well, if those two or three are something other than what the company wants you to be working on, then you're working on the wrong mm -hmm. thing. So, you know, where do you find that happy medium or how do you make sure that you, you know, focus on what the company wants? So that I, that's one of the, the, of course, the things that I hear as a complaint, which I don't know if it should be a complaint only because maybe they're just not getting to do what they want to do. <laughs> you see what I'm yeah, saying? Well, it, it also, it also depends on where in the organization you're talking. So I'm, I'm picturing, you know, on the shop floor, you know, maybe if you've got some kind of production line, you, know, you, you have to have people doing their job on the production line to get product out. But, but what has to be thought of is, all right, well, if you've got, say, 24 people on the, on the production line, can you take four people and have them not do production and have them work on improving the process and, you know, rotate that through, you know, week to week or every other week or something like that? Can you, and, and, and when you think about it, okay, so, oh, then you're, you might be, you might be uh, overstaffed. If you can take four people to work on the process and, you know, you still, you still create the, the uh, product that you need, each week, then you're overstaffed. Well, not, not necessarily. You might you might have four people that are that you might have 20, 25 people that are doing twenty one people's worth of work. You know, you know what I'm saying. Right. So, so by mm -hmm. by uh, taking taking some of the resources and having them work one hundred percent on process improvement, in the long run, you will most likely be better off. Okay, in the yes. short run, sure, it might hurt. Hey, if if production drops by you know, 2% or 3% or something like that. Okay, well, that's a that's a strategic understanding that in order to get better and be able to do more later, then you've got, right. you've got to potentially suffer in the short run. You know, one of the other books I was reading um, uh, talked about uh, timing of you know, the, the Hoshion process and how different companies actually implement it in different ways. You've got, you know, HP and, and GE that had those, um, five year mm -hmm. looks or three year looks. And then they even mentioned several companies kind of, um, formatted it to where every three months they were reevaluating and doing the catch ball process again, every three months. Um, of course they were, you know, they were saying how well oiled they were at doing it. So, I, you know, I definitely think there's a, you know, depending on how quickly you need to uh, refresh your strategy, that's something to think about. You know, if, if five years is too long for a strategy, then do something less. Uh, but you definitely need a, uh, a well oiled scenario for making it work. So if you're new to the process, you know, I would definitely say, uh, put it out there a little ways because it's going to take you probably, if I had to guess, probably a good two to three months to, to do the whole process from top down, bottom back up and get it rolling. Uh, if you're lucky, you know, three months is pretty right. aggressive. And getting everybody, you know, depending on the size of the organization, of getting course, everybody oriented to follow that compass, uh -huh. it, it, it definitely takes time. I mean, even in a yeah. relatively small organization, I think it takes on the order of months, three. three That's, yes. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I would not try to do it in less than in less than three months, no matter what kind of deployment process. But especially one like this one, which is you know very structured, very organized, uh, and you're trying to involve you know pretty much everybody throughout the whole organization. And I think that's another thing that we probably ought to end on is the other reason I think I like uh, the Hoshan process is the fact that it involves everyone throughout the whole organization at some level and at some point or another uh, from from the president of the company all the way down to the to the janitor, right. you know, what is the janitor doing to help make sure we meet these this right. vision? And 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 what you got to get people out of the habit of saying is, I'm just the janitor. What am I right. going to do? Everybody's you know? got yeah. Everybody's right. got a job. Everybody, everyone's playing a part. Yeah, otherwise, so. yeah. Otherwise, and yeah. Otherwise, you know, there's there's no point in having you there or having that that job, right? If it's not if right. it's not driving towards the goal. And, and I, yeah. I agree with you, and I would like to say that I've been in organizations in the past where, uh, you know, process improvement or the direction of the organization, it was kind of kept somewhat secret. There's a few select people that knew what was going on, and, and the other people were said, don't, were told, don't worry about it, just, you know, keep keep doing your job, we'll, we'll let you know when we need you. And that is, bad that idea. is a very bad idea. That is a bad, bad idea. That is that is a culture that you want to stamp out. You want to put that fire out. You want to pee all over it. Oh gosh! <laughs> With that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, we hope you know that everybody's enjoyed our uh, two weeks of topics on uh, strategy Strat- deployment. You know. Yeah, and, and hope that everybody's gotten something out of this. I'm not sure what the topic will be for next week, but I'm sure we will be back with you next week. So, Sean, take Bless. care. Have a good one. Take care, everyone. Hey. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week. Mm-hmm.